Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, well, I don't really know if we should say, oh my gosh, Bills got away with one at the end, or the Bills dominated, because it's kind of both here. Bills beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24-18, Highmark Stadium, Thursday Night Football, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, it's always game day in Buffalo. How are you looking at this win? I think it was a step in the right direction, and I know that the score was close and that they did not cover the spread and that they actually had fewer points today than they did last week against the Patriots. But I don't think all games are necessarily equal. I thought if you just watched this game offensively, because that was so much of what we talked about, they moved the ball well. They put points on the board for the most part when they got into the red zone. They had the one on fourth and goal that they did not convert on. And Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen. So many of the things we talked about Where's your secondary option at wide receiver? Gabe Davis has a huge game, career high in receptions. What are you doing with Dalton Kincaid? He gets his first tight, his he gets his first touchdown, makes some multiple big plays, had a great catch on third down down the sideline, a really big play. Why isn't Josh running? Well, he ran in this game and he slid too. So I just think that they kind of checked a lot of boxes and like I said, I don't want to like harp on this too much, but I think they were better tonight, even though the numbers don't maybe show it. I think they dominated this game, to be quite honest with you, other than at the last, you know, in the last half of quarter, last of half of the fourth quarter and the final drive. I just want to run some numbers by you. The Bills had 427 yards of offense. The Bucks had 302. I mean, the Bucks 4.9 
average gain per offensive play. You go, you hold a team to less than five yards of play in the NFL. That's really darn good. The Bills had 6.3 yards per play. This game should not have been as close as it was. And by the way, speaking of close, if Chris Godwin turns around, we are having a different conversation here. He might catch that ball and everything you did tonight gets undone. That didn't happen. The Bills win the game 25 to 18. Give them credit. But it, it it shouldn't have been that close at the end because they dominated. It shouldn't have been that close. But I can say the same thing. If Jordan Phillips doesn't take a dumb face mask penalty, then the Bills win by 14. Game's over. The game's over. So it is incredible, the margins in the NFL, about how ridiculous it is. I think that there is some people, there are some people who are upset about the lack of aggressive play calling in the second half. I actually don't fault them for it. Like I, And I'm normally Mr. Aggressive. I am always, oh, you have a chance to go for it on fourth down? I think you should go. They didn't move the ball all game. The only reason they moved the ball and got the touchdown on the Mike Evans thing was there were multiple penalties that gave them first downs. You had a phantom penalty, I think, a couple plays before the Jordan Phillips face mask. And then you had a weird bounce where Mike Evans makes the – like, it, they weren't moving the ball. I don't think you want meaning the Buccaneers. Meaning the Buccaneers. I don't think you wanted to give them a short field on a fluky, weird play where maybe you do not convert. I don't think it's easy as oh, it's fourth and four, like you're going to get it. Well, I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a certainty. I agree with you. The last one, I think I would have liked to see the Bills go for. You needed you needed a half yard. You do tush push with Josh, but totally understand what you're saying, which is. But what if you fumble the snap like you did against Minnesota or something? Now they have a short field. They get a touchdown. They elected to punt it. Sam Martin was having a great day. We can talk about that. And unfortunately, that one wasn't pinned inside the 20. It goes out to the 20. Um, speaking of play calling, that's where it starts with this one for the offense, Matt. They open up the game doing everything we've been asking for, everything fans have been asking for. You say, find somebody other than Stephon Diggs. They did, of course, not only Gabe, Dave Davis, but Khalil Shakir, Dalton Kincaid. They also go up-tempo, a little bit of no-huddle. Not They spread the field. And Josh is running. It seemed like a different team we were watching out there. And I think that goes towards they, they felt the sense of urgency as well. Yeah, I think that they realized that they were not playing to their potential or even close to their potential. This game reminds me a little bit of you know, the Thursday night game against the Patriots last year, where I think they also scored 24 points in that game, but they were in control for most of the game. This one obviously ended up a little bit closer. I think they realize, or at least maybe they are realizing, they're an 11 personnel team. They're better in 11 personnel. They're better when they have multiple receivers on the field. Dawson Knox has a skill set that helps them, but so does Dalton Kincaid. Maybe it makes you a little bit more predictable that you're showing that you're going to pass when James Cook is on the field because he's not an outstanding blocker. Okay, that should be your offense anyway. You should be a passing offense. You should be leaning into that. So I think that this is a, a good step for their identity in knowing what they are and knowing what they need to be. So... You know, this is the Bucks. They score 24 points. They have the touchdown that they don't get on the fourth and goal. But I also think that against better teams, they'll be more aggressive. And I think the game script, game script kind of impacted a lot of how they played today. I agree with all of that. And you're right about the, like some of the decisions. If people are upset about why do the Bills, you know, choose to punt it? Why weren't they more aggressive? The answer is you're trying to win the football game. The best way to win the football game tonight was, mm-hmm. hey, just keep them down their end because they're not moving the ball against us. This was the best way, and that's what Sean McDermott did. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, it's always game day in Buffalo here on Odyssey, iTunes, everywhere you get it. Thank you for joining us 
We are here inside Highmark Stadium still. Uh, it's been it was a great great evening, incredible weather. Fans showed up. Ryan Fitzpatrick's got his shirt off. You got a picture of him with his shirt off. Yeah, well, not a picture of him with no, his shirt but off. he's in the picture with his shirt off behind you, like photobombing you. Yeah. So the game was on Channel Seven locally, and as we're doing our post game, you know what we do is basically we go on TV until somebody comes to the press conference room, and then we'll take that live. So we're sitting there, we're talking about the game, and then all of a sudden there's like this massive roar, and I look around and I see. Josh Allen and Josh Allen is walking to the stage and I'm like wow that's a really big roar for Josh Allen well as it turns out because a bunch of people tweeted me it was Ryan Fitzpatrick behind me taking his shirt off and screaming to the crowd it just happened to happen perfectly in between myself and my colleague Dom Tibbetts so that big roar was uh, certainly not for us but also not for Josh Allen it was for Ryan Fitzpatrick taking his shirt off. Fitz is just so loved here in Buffalo we saw that tonight on Thursday Night Football. I think Josh now. I read six and zero now on Thursday. Night. I think it was. I think it was five and zero going to the game. If I'm right, on Thursday night games, anytime it's please played on a Thursday, he's won. And this is the sixth time, that I believe. Be right. All Thanksgivings. Thursday night. So just Thursday in general. I think so. Okay. All Thanksgivings. So you said Thursday night because the only Thursday night games I think they've played are this one, the Patriots one, and then the Saints. Well, any game on a Thursday night, whether it's considered Thursday night football on Amazon, doesn't matter. They played opener against L.A. last year on a Thursday. Yeah. They played at New England last year. They played three Thanksgiving games. Yeah, He's Thursday, won them all. Yeah, but Thursday night football is a TV show. I get I'm saying on the day of the week is what I'm saying. Yeah, so Thursday. He's 6-0 on Thursday. not Because, thir- like, this is a differentiation. This, I get it. This is a little, like, for me, a little pet peeve of, like, Monday Night Football is a show. 100%. So, but I didn't say Thursday Night Football. I said Thursday Night. Yeah, but I mean... The, Thursday Night Football is the show. Yeah, but it's not all Thursday Night. The Cowboys weren't Thursday Night. The Lions weren't Thursday okay, Night. All right. 12, 30, 4 o'clock. That's not... All right. The 6 and 0 on Thursdays. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I needed. Thank you. On Thursday. Let's talk about the defense. All right. I got to give a lot of credit to Sean McDermott for something I don't think that a lot of people will be talking about. But it was the key tonight. What? You're going to say on the obvious passing downs that they were bringing in Taylor Rapp and replacing Tyrell Dodson? Exactly. And I'm going to say it this way. On four days mm-hmm. pre- preparation, they, ma- they made a complete switch to a dime defense. Mm-hmm. Look, it's not that it's super hard to do that, but it's not been who they are. They went one linebacker with Terrell Bernard, on most passing situations. I'm going to wait to see the, the snap counts. They'll be out on Friday morning. But this team went and played dime, and I think they found something here. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it was interesting because besides Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill, these are the best weapons the Bills have played this season, at least at wide receiver, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And for most of the game, now it looks like Godwin could have probably caught the Hail Mary. And then obviously Mike Evans has the big touchdown at the end that keeps them in it. But for most of the game, they did a pretty good job kind of containing both of those guys. I think Godwin had a big third down conversion for like a 31-yard gain when they were in dime. And a lot of people are like, well, why are you doing that if it's not going to work? It was a really actually well-schemed up play by the Bucks. I think they had Mike Evans run a slant towards the middle of the field, and that kind of screened Taylor Rapp from following his guy and gave Godwin a little bit of an extra buffer, and that allowed him to make the big play. But I think overall... It worked well. I think that this is another reason why we thought they were getting Taylor Rapp because we said in the offseason so many times, Taylor Rapp is not signing here unless they have plans for him to play. And we saw him get a chance to play today, even when Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were both healthy. So 
I was looking through some of the stats towards the end of the game, middle of the fourth quarter. I'm like, all right, I got to do arrow up, arrow down. I write this column at WGR550.com. And one of my arrows up was, wow, they've done a really good job. I think I'm Mike Evans. Midway through the fourth quarter, one catch for seven yards for Mike Evans. And to your point, you just said that obviously that changed because he had the touchdown. Matt, that's a great job they did on those guys. Chris Godwin overall, five catches, 54 yards. I mean, even with the even with you know Evans having the touchdown later, 39 yards. So you're talking what? Nine, less than 100 yards. Eight catches less than 100 yards for those two combined. That's a really nice job. I think the corners did a really nice job when they were called upon. Christian Benford made a couple of nice plays. The linebackers were very active, especially Bernard, when it came to breaking up passes. I think Jordan Poyer's had a rebirth the last two weeks. Yeah. He's looked amazing. Mm -hmm. He's been all over the field. He's been rangier. He's made himself into plays. A couple near interceptions that they had in this game. I think that overall it was a much better day for the defense because in my head I'm thinking, you know, I'm an alarmist, but I'm sitting there watching them and it's like, oh gosh, Mac Jones marched down the field 75 yards and scored a game-winning touchdown on you. Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Mac Jones. Like you need to make sure that you're not in that position. But I think for the most part, for let's say 57 minutes of the game, they were really, really solid. And the one thing is you got to get the quarterback down when you get to him. There were a couple plays where they didn't. Leonard Floyd missed one. Nice play by Baker Mayfield. Give him the credit to this stupid penalty on Jordan Phillips. Like It was totally a penalty, and it's one that you absolutely cannot take. There was a blatant missed hold on Von Miller at the beginning of that drive in the end zone that would have been a safety in the Bills ball that was missed. I thought Vaughn had a little bit of a step in the right direction today. Played, he got close a couple times. Got close a couple times, played more snaps, was more involved. And I think this is a big – I think the biggest thing for this game, just about obviously getting the win is huge, but now having this extra time to get ready and get healthy and just prepare for the Bengals, I think is really beneficial for them. I mean, the Bengals are going to play a tough matchup against the 49ers on Sunday, and the Bills get two days of a head start and some time off to prepare for what should be a tough opponent. I want to talk about them in a little while and talk about what's ahead for the Bills next week because we've got some injuries to deal with, including Josh Ellis. We'll get to that in a second. Let's stay on the defense. The other part about this whole dime thing we're talking about, actually, it, so so Rap comes in. Rap actually was the second safety. Jordan Poyer tonight, he was the dime linebacker. That's what they did. They put him down there. He was at that level. I wonder if maybe at this point of his career, maybe that's what he's a little bit more suited for and how they can play this. We kept thinking that would be Taylor Rapp when they signed him. It's kind of flip. Jordan Poyer wasn't this, you know, safety you could on the back end. It was him and Hyde. It was, uh, it was Rapp and Hyde. Jordan Poyer actually was the, what you would call the second linebacker in that situation. Because he's bigger. And I would imagine that Rapp is probably a little bit quicker, a little bit more fleet of foot at this point in their careers. And over the course of his career, Jordan Poyer has been a pretty good tackler. So you want him clogging up the middle and you want him to be kind of, you know, the, the first line of defense behind, obviously, the defensive line. So it is interesting and it shows that Sean McDermott has a lot of different kind of things up his sleeve. And I think that's a good sign because I think that last week, one of the things that the Patriots did was they exposed the Bills a little bit in their defensive philosophy. And I think Sean recognized that they have some flaws and they need to fix that. One thing that I do want to point out, though, that could potentially be a flaw, and I saw a lot of people posting about this, but Taron Johnson has kind of gotten beat on the same play three weeks, not three weeks in a row, but two weeks in a row. The game-winning touchdown against the Patriots, the Chris Godwin touchdown in the second quarter today, and it was also the Darren Waller play that was not you know, called a penalty, even though it was probably pretty ticky-tack. 
teams are, excuse me, I'm like losing my voice. Teams are targeting him. In, in, in that situation in where that situation. he, because, and it's a size thing too. Teams are going with a bigger guy who, you know, you do that little move in the inside. What was the play tonight? Was it at the goal line as well? Yeah, but it was Godwin tonight. So it's not, yeah, really it's not as big. Was he at the goal line as well? I don't remember yeah, the player. I don't remember the player you're talking like about. The two yard yeah. line. Oh, the touchdown coming this way where we are. I got you. Coming to the way we are. Yeah. So just something to monitor yeah. because if teams are doing it, the Bills will need to adjust away from it, especially now going against the Bengals who have three different wide receivers who you know could run that. All right, a couple other guys we need to talk about here before we get on to you know what lies ahead for the Buffalo Bills. How about punter Sam Martin in the day that he had? Yeah. Sam Martin was outstanding. Four punts, three inside the 20. One, the last one should have been inside the 20, the last one. So Randall just couldn't you know, kind of tip it back where he needed it. I think one of them went to the three, one went to the four, one went to the five, I think. It was crazy. He had an outstanding day. But also on top of him, Matt, great day for the special teams. Deontay Hardy with a huge punt return. You have the three and out in the end zone. You get the big punt return. You get the touchdown. That's complimentary football that Sean McDermott would love to play. And then you have a blocked field goal from Shaq Lawson. This was an outstanding night for the special teams. Yeah, for sure. A couple other things. Josh Norman makes the first tackle of the game. In special and the second coverage, one. And the second special teams tackle of the game. So good on him. Obviously, the blocked field goal is a huge play. For as good as the special teams were, they could have been even better. They had two penalties wipe out big gains. One of them was a Deontay Hardy return to the 50. A holding penalty brought it all the way back to the 17. So that was a 33-yard loss on one penalty. And then on the next return that they had, they had another penalty that pushed him back, I think, like 20 yards. I have a question because you're very good with this stuff. The play where the Bucks player kicked the ball and then Hardy returned it to the 18. They got to add five yards to the end of the kick and take it over at the 23. That feels wrong to me because I think the ball was kicked significantly more than five yards. No, it wasn't. a Well, it might have been kicked, but the reason the penalty was called, it was called illegal touching because he went out of bounds and came in and touched it. He was the first person to touch it after going out of bounds. Oh. He went out of bounds, came in, touched it. He's the first person to touch it. That's illegal touching. So anything after happens after that counts for the Bills and then the penalty on top of it. So – Shouldn't you be able to get the ball where the ball is touched? Oh, so you're saying that the return went further than that? I'm saying I don't know if he did. I'm saying he hits the ball, which I thought was significantly farther than the 23, kicks it, that goes like all the way to the 10, and then Hardy returns it to the 18, and then they get the additional time. I'm saying, shouldn't you be able to take it where it's illegally touched? Route you could you usually can take it where it was first touched by the team anyway, but since he was out of bounds, it was illegally touched. I don't know if that's the case. So he made it's a good point. Maybe you should bring it up with the NFL rules committee well, now, in the off season. Like, if you're it, if you're smart about it, you could like literally try and kick the ball to the one yard line, and then okay, great, you get five yards. But like, I feel like you should have the option of taking it where the illegal touch happened. I, I don't think he was called for any kicking. I think he was called for the just the being out of bounds and then coming back in. All right, let's take a look ahead to this team and what lies ahead especially coming out of this game a thursday night game and pretty much a clean injury report 
At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The only guy that really was, well, I guess two guys here, obviously. Josh Allen is the big one that went into the tent and he came out. The only other one, the only other one from Josh Allen was Cam Lewis. And he came back in the game as well. He had something going on in the groin, maybe. Uh, he was limping around. They were walking, But he actually, they were working him out. He went back in. Otherwise, Matt, I think the Bills came out of this game pretty clean, which is great on a four-day and now you have 10 days to get ready and rest it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that obviously that's a big factor for them going forward. They've been so banged up. But the problem that they're dealing with is that all of the injuries that they have are significant injuries that are placing people on IR. It's not like, okay, a little rest and recovery, and maybe you will be available for the next game. I mean, I look at the injury report. The only like truly injured players who did not play in this game were who? Quentin Morris. And then who else was even on the injury report? Um that was it. Um, oh, Balen Spector. Balen Spector. And then the other one was Dawson Knox, but he was put on IR. But he was put on IR. So, yeah, I mean, I think that obviously you get out of this game. The scare, of course, happened when Josh Allen goes into the medical tent and then he comes out and he doesn't even miss a play. I don't even know if there was a situation where he wouldn't have come out and tried to play the game. They probably have to try and protect him from himself at that point. And they're like, Josh, you cannot do this. But maybe it's a pain tolerance thing and, you know. I, like I said, I don't think he was coming out of the game. I mean, McDermott basically said that after the game that, you know, you have to take the helmet away from Josh, which is true. Kyle Allen was warming up. He was going to go in the game. They were ready for him to go in the game. Then Josh came out of the medical tent. It just so happened that it took just that amount of time for the... Just so happened. Right, just right, so right, happened. right, right, right. Yeah. With the, uh, you know, the, the change of possession, basically. All right, let's talk about before this game. Kyrie Elam, inactive for Josh Norman. All right, what do we think... Does anything happen here with Kyrie Elam before Tuesday's trade deadline? For what? That's my. Thing. I don't know. You look at. I. 
I, I disagree that anybody says you can't get anything for him. He's a first-round talent on a rookie contract that some team probably said, look, we evaluate him. He'd fit in our system. You're not going to get a first- or second-round pick for him. But I don't think you just – you. I think you get a better deal than you would for Boogie Basham, for example. Oh, I don't I don't know. I think if you could get anything better than a fifth or better, you're making the deal. I think you should be making the deal. I would love for them to say, okay – Fifth might be right. I wouldn't disagree. I, I would love for them to find a team that has – like I don't want to like use this like in a bad like another misfit like another guy who has not worked out for another team even if it's not a first round pick even if, it could be a third round pick and it could be like hey this is a guard who isn't working out for us he's not playing you've got this guy let's trade see if there's a change of scenery see if that benefits something I, I just don't know what you do I feel like you have gone past the point of ever resurrecting his career here in Buffalo that's not to say that he will never become a good NFL player. I just feel like it's a very clear indicator of how they feel about him here and that his future is probably not brightest in Buffalo. I agree. I guess the question is, is his future even one more week in Buffalo? Because the trade deadline is Tuesday. I would say if Brandon Beans doesn't get anything, he gets sixth and seventh round pick swap offers, basically. He should probably hold on to Kyrie and say, all right, we'll maybe try and do something in the offseason, maybe try and do something in the draft. And if not, then we'll roll into next year. Maybe we can, you know, salvage this and see where it goes. Because I just don't think it's, it's. I don't think it's beneficial to the Bills to just give him away for nothing. I agree. I don't think there's at that point there's something to be said about cutting ties and knowing when you need to move on, but not for nothing. Like, what difference does it make if he's just inactive? And I don't know. I, I don't know what you do. I know that he's on your 53 man roster, and that kind of ties your hands a little bit. But I think they are certainly trying to move him or would be very willing to include him in a trade if that could be a sweetener for a team. So we will probably, well, maybe we might or might not talk again before the trade deadline. What about bringing a player in? We'll talk. Do you think, um, you think Brandon Bean brings a player into this organization? Yes. I do have an open roster spot, by the way. There's only 52 on the active roster right now. I think they do bring somebody into the organization. I don't exactly know who it will be. I think that it will be one of two things. I think it'll either be a one-technique defensive tackle or a wide receiver. I think it'll be one of those two things. I will say, though, today was a big day for Gabe Davis and a big day for Khalil Shakir, so maybe they're feeling a little bit better about their wide receivers now than they did in, I guess, weeks past. But that also, to me, does not mean, like, no, you can't go and get one. Like, I think you activated Andy Isabella to your team today. You could absolutely go out and get one if – Hunter Renfro could be had. I think you probably like Hunter Renfro a heck of a lot more than you like Andy Isabella. No disrespect to Andy Isabella. There's probably other guys out there. I, I would be calling on Devontae Adams. I would be calling on DeAndre Hopkins. I think that those are tough ones to make work. What about the other side of the ball, like Patrick Sertan? <sighs> sure, absolutely. That's a premium asset. I think Devontae Adams would be too. I don't think that's – I think Patrick Sertan is much more expensive than Devontae Adams. I mean, Patrick Sertan's a first-round pick. And he's on a rookie deal still. That's what I mean. Like, you're giving up at minimum a first-round pick. I think you're probably giving up similar to what the Dolphins gave up for Bradley Chubb. Probably right. I mean, and, and Devontae Adams – and by the way, the Raiders have said Devontae Adams is not available. You never know. You're only not available until you're available for the right price. And Devontae, he has a big contract, so it would be tougher – you know, to deal with. I agree with you. I think they make some sort of move. I'm not really sure what it is. The one spot I think that they really still 
might want to use and might want to you know look at is linebacker, weak side linebacker. Just feels like look at today what they did. By the way, I don't think Dorian Williams took a defensive snap tonight. I don't think he did. So Tyrell Dodson was that guy, and then they had the dime package. It feels to me like they might want to make sure. They don't feel comfortable right now with what they have there. Maybe they want to bring somebody in at that position. I think the other ones are at least more important. I don't know. I think that they can get by at linebacker. Which, uh, it's tough because they did tonight, but they also implemented the dime package stuff, so maybe they have to do that because they feel that poorly about the linebackers. There's just not a name that like immediately jumps out to me of saying, okay, that's a guy that you could go get. So real quick before we wrap up, I've got a couple guys I want to bring up. James Cook, 14 carries, 67 yards. And, you know, he yeah, another nice night, 4.8 uh, yards per carry. That's that's a nice um, stat line for him. Yeah. And the other one, do you know what Stefan Diggs' stat line was? I'm, hope, I'm covering it up. Yeah, what, do I, what am I trying to guess here? I don't know. How many catches do you have? I think I know that. I think he had seven. He had nine. Nine for 70. How about that? Nine for 70. That's a little, when I looked at that, I was a little surprised. How many targets? 12 targets? Both him and Gabe Davis, 12 targets and nine catches. Gabe had 87 yards and a touchdown. Diggs had 70 yards, no touchdowns. But that, it was a quiet night that actually was fairly productive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that shows you how good Stefan Diggs is, that he could have nine catches for 70 yards, and it kind of goes completely under the radar. I will say, Stefan Diggs made, and Josh Allen, one of the biggest plays in this game, getting the first down at the end of the game yeah. to run the clock down to that final 30 seconds or whatever it was when the Bucks got the ball back. Because if you do not convert on that, you're giving the Bucks the ball back with like 210 left on the clock or something like that. So when they needed a big play, they went to Diggs and he made the big play. Khalil Shakir, six for 92. I'm looking at this. I'm wondering, when's the last time the Bills had four receivers with at least 65 yards in a game? I mean, that's that's a, that's nice. My guess is the Dolphins playoff game last year would be the last time that they had four receivers have at least sixty yards. Because I think in that game, Kincaid, not Kincaid, Diggs, Davis, Shakir, and I feel like maybe even Beasley. I'm gonna look it up, boy. Knox, maybe just talk. I'm gonna. All right, you'll look it up. The other. Look, it was it wasn't totally perfect for Ken Dorsey. I mean, obviously, he, he I thought he called a really good game, but the third down and goal, shotgun situation, or second and goal, shotgun, Latavius Murray. We got it. Look, he's been so good in the red zone calling plays this year. I don't understand that call. I don't either. I just I I sure I've seen some people say that they've had success in that scheme in that formation in years past, but it just feels overcomplicated, especially if you're going to go for it, which they did. If you're going to go for it, put Josh Allen under center and try and push him in, and then if that doesn't work, you know you're not losing yards. Just do it again. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try and get cute. Just do that. Or or even throw it twice. Or even I don't even line up in you know power formation and just hand it off. I'm going to look up this thing. I'm going to try and type it on here as well. You have it. What do you got? All right. Oh, no, I wasn't even close. Stefan Diggs had 114 in that game. Gabe Davis had 113. And then Shakir had fifty-one. So I'm going to take a look at that. I'll, I'll, I'll have that, and I'll, I'll I'll just go to your know, Pro Football Reference and plug the numbers in. All right, let's look at this week's schedule. Patriots, Dolphins, your Dolphins. So you've been high on them. They, they, yeah, they did. They did not. They Matt. They have not looked right. And I did some numbers this week. They have one 300-yard passing game in the last four. Yeah. And that was 302 yards. Um, 
Two has been sacked nine times the last four weeks, and they're not being not running the ball well. Now they get a Patriots team coming off a big win against the Bills, obviously. I think this is a tough spot for the Dolphins. They are great on script, and they are not great off script. And I think that has a lot to do with their quarterback when he has his, not even his first read, but when he has, you know, non-chaos around him, he can make a play because they are schemed up so, so well. But when things go off script, they struggle. So I think the Dolphins will win this game. I'm still very high on the Dolphins. But all of that being said, the first time they played, I think they scored 24 points against the Patriots. So it's in Miami now. I think they'll probably put up more than that. But I think the Patriots might be able to give them a little bit of a game. Bills right now are still the seventh seed overall in the AFC at five and three. But if Miami winds up losing, the Bills actually go all the way up to the two seed, basically or three seed. They'll be they'll be in first place in the AFC East because right now Miami's five and two, Buffalo's five and three. Buffalo, of course, holds the head to head. What in Baltimore? go or Jacksonville yeah it wouldn't be two necessarily but they'd be in the top four obviously right they'd be in the top four Pittsburgh and Jacksonville this weekend um I think if you're a Bills fan you'll want the Steelers to win um but that's an interesting AFC game and then you have the Cincinnati Bengals the Bills next appointment going all the way out to San Francisco but San Francisco's banged up Sam Darnold's probably going to play in that game that's a big game for the uh Cincinnati Bengals Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast, it's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I like Brock Purdy, but do we think that he's going to be significantly missed? I don't know. I, like, no, no. I, I, I'm a I, Sam Darnold guy. I really like Sam Darnold. I really like their system. I think this is not to say Brock Purdy hasn't done an amazing job. He has. I think that system allows him to be much better than he would be anywhere else, though. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's tough. I think if you're the Bills or if you're a Bills fan, you want Brock Purdy in the game. Obviously, I just don't know how big the drop off is between Brock Purdy and Sam. It's not like, oh my gosh, the 49ers are playing their backup quarterback. They have no chance of winning this game. I think it's like, okay, it's a little bit more difficult now, but it's not impossible. I mean, I'm going to look at the line. What do you think the line is on that game? Which game? It's uh, Cincinnati. Um, I think Cincinnati, I bet, is getting about four points. Are they, is it in where? It's in San Francisco. I bet you San Francisco is a. Favored by four, maybe maybe a little more. I think because of the quarterback. If Purdy was playing, I bet it'd be a little bit more, maybe six, five or six. I'm going to say four points. Wow, you're exactly spot on. I'm really surprised by that line. I actually thought it was going to be way closer. Well, the Bengals are you know, feeling better, better about themselves. They're looking better. But I thought it was going to be closer. Oh, I, okay. I, thought, I, like, I think the Bengals are going to win this game. Ooh. I, I really do. I think they might. They I can. The Bengals have figured it out a little bit. I think Joe Burrow looks healthier. Not healthy, but healthier. And 
the 49ers have looked human the last couple weeks. I mean, they really have. I mean, who did they just lose to on Monday Night Football that I was watching? Uh, Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings. 100%. All right. So uh, as we leave everybody tonight, just your final overall thought on this game and where this team is right now after eight weeks. Baby step in the right direction. It is a positive sign that they were able to move the ball so efficiently. I think the game script kind of may left an impact on how they were a bit more conservative in the second half. But I think it's a good sign that Josh Allen looks more comfortable, that they were getting guys involved all over the field, that Dalton Kincaid looks like he's the real deal, that Josh is not scared to run the ball, and that they are going to let him run the ball as long as he promises that he's going to slide. Sean McDermott made that very clear after the game. So I think that you can take away more positives from this game than negatives. You get another win, you're 5-3, and three, and you have a really tough matchup coming up, but a matchup that I think you feel better about now than you even would have before the season started, and that probably is more to do with the Bengals than it even has to do with you. All well said. I like that. I'll even say that I'm more encouraged after tonight about the defense than I had been over the last week or so. I think even with all the losses, I think Sean McDermott put together a good game plan, and I think these guys are starting to feel their roles. I understand the Bucs aren't a great offensive team. Yes, you have to take into consideration, but I feel better right now about this defense where it is than I did probably 48 hours ago. Are you going to listen to Taylor's version of 1989 this evening on the way home or this morning on the way home? Why would I do that? Is there? I mean, I like Taylor Swift. Is there something significant about that? I don't. I don't get in the weeds. It's not like, you know, it's not like knowing the Bills roster and the practice squad and elevation situation with her and songs. What's going on with this song? It's not a song. It's a re-release of an album because her old music catalog is owned by somebody. And she is re-releasing. doing this. She keeps doing this with all of her albums. And it came out at midnight. And we are recording this just after 1 o'clock in the morning on Friday. So I am somebody... I listen to the exact same playlist on the way to every single game at home. Just I'm a very creature of habit. I listen to the same stuff. And after games, I don't want to think about the Bills. I don't want to talk about the Bills. I just want to listen to like yeah. very common music. So this is not necessarily the calmest album. But I'll go and I'll listen to some of the more like chill songs on this album. Um, I'll probably listen to some chill songs, but uh, not sure. Is that- Maiden? Yeah, Iron Maiden's chill, baby. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'll be riding home. I'll, I'll put out. A- I have a, a playlist called Sal's Fun Shop, and like, I'll wait with some calmer stuff will come out, some soft rock things like that. I have a question and a comment. Yeah. Okay. Um, the- well, actually, two questions. Number one. So are these songs, she's re-recording them now in 2023 and releasing because she can't release the other ones because she doesn't own them anymore? Yeah, I think somebody, I'm not a massive Taylor Swift person. I believe somebody owns all of the rights to her catalog. She's literally re-recording all this stuff. All of them. It's amazing. And you can tell for a lot of these, like the new releases of them, just how much different she sounds as a woman in her early 30s compared to a woman in her late teens and early 20s when a lot of the other stuff was recorded. So that's cool. I mean, like if you're into that kind of stuff, I have not seen Taylor Swift live, but I do have tickets to see her in Toronto when she comes next year. So I've heard she's an incredible performer. My wife loves her. So, I mean, quite frankly, that's why we're going. Second question. Did you get with the stadium operations people that play Mr. Brightside every two-minute warning now? They play it every two-minute warning in the stadium. No comment. 
Wow. No, 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 no. I didn't do anything with it. I'm like, wait a minute. You have that kind of pull here? No, no. I mean, it's an amazing song. You, you notice they play that, right? Because I know you know you're enclosed. I know I'm down there. Well, I especially noticed it today because we had the post game show. So right after the Mike Evans touchdown, I went down to the tunnel to watch the end of the game from there, so I could right when the game ends and right when we're allowed on the field, shoot out onto the field, get set up, and be ready to go to be on TV. We have like three minutes basically, like from the game ends, commercial break, and then get to TV. So I was down there and I was vibing. Mr. Brightside is such a good, like if I had a goal song, if I played in the NHL, I think you would definitely use that. Mr. Brightside would be very high on my list. I just hit shuffle on Sal's uh, playlist here. Dancing in the dark. Then only want to be with you by hooting the blowfish. I got four non-blondes, fine young cannibals. See, I'm all right. Desire by you too. But then there's some poison. Talk to her to me. That's what I'll listen to. That kind of stuff on the way home. So my drive to the stadium playlist, I actually tweet out the link before every yes, home game. I know. And it's up to 200 likes. 206 people are following the playlist. I love it. So I think there's people who listen. We got everything. We got Easy Lover by Philip Bailey and yes. Collins on here. So like a little yacht rock. But then we've also obviously got like, do you know what Peppa's is? I don't think I do. I know Salt and Peppa. No, this is very Peppa's is a song. Okay. Uh you know Peppa Pig. You're you're gonna learn about Peppa Pig very soon in your life, pal. Soon. You know who Coheed and Cambria is? I think I've heard of that. Okay. Um everything else on here I think you would know. But you know you know the song Tongue Tied by Group Love? I've heard of the name, but I don't know about the song. I might hear the song go, Oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah, all right. We're gonna do a little jam out session now. <laughs> we we we've gone to I know this is not super long, but when it's you know, early in the morning It's one oh nine AM. We've talked to you for 35 plus minutes. We got to go. We got to get to bed. You got to enjoy this win. Enjoy the weekend because it's great now that the Bills have won. You can kick back. You can relax. You can watch all the rest of the games in the NFL. Or, like I'm going to do, go to the Sabres game, wear a Halloween costume with my son. will be doing that on Sunday. What's he being for Halloween? He is going to, he's Mandalorian for Halloween, but he also has a Bumblebee costume for Transformers where he literally can be in the costume and then transform into the Transformer. And he might want to wear that. So that'll be cool. That's very cool. That's really cool. You got uh, what do you got? What do you got going on uh, this week on Channel Seven? You guys recapping all this on Friday? Yeah, Friday. We'll we'll hear from Sean McDermott. Normal, they're treating Friday like a Monday, so we'll hear from Sean McDermott around four. And the Sabers also play tomorrow night, yeah. so we'll do that. And then the weekend, recharge the batteries, try and take a little yeah. bit of time off, and then get ready for a trip to Cincinnati next weekend. No doubt. Uh, Joe DiBiase has the extra point show on Friday. I'll join the morning show for a brief hit, and then the afternoon show as well. But in the meantime. For Matt Bovey, I'm Sal Capaccio. Have a great night, morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever that is, and watching here on the Sal Sports YouTube channel.